In this episode, I speak with Grace Pacey, author of the best-selling book, Late, A Timebender's Guide to Why We Are Late and How We Can Change. Grace offers a lifeline to the 20% of the population who struggle with lateness and the people who live and work with them. A self-confessed timebender, Grace tackles a subject sadly neglected by psychologists and reveals the surprising truth about why we are late, what's going on in our brains, and how we can get ourselves to be on time. In addition to her BA, MBA, and fellowship of the Chartered Institute of Marketing, Grace has qualifications in Myers-Briggs, Emotional Freedom Technique, otherwise known as EFT or Tapping, and Neuro-Linguistic Programming. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real-life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Grace, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you going? I'm doing great, Leo. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and how your focus on lateness came about? Well, I've had a a normal business career. I've been a a marketing consultant, but I've always been aware that I struggle to be on time. And yet I hate being late. So it really frustrated me. Why can't I do what I think I need to do? I can even get up early, be really ready for something, and then end up being late. So what is going on? Well, these days you think you can find out anything if you Google it, but I couldn't find anything. I had plenty of, in fact, if I looked on uh, Google, there are 60,000 books on procrastination, but this isn't procrastination, it's something else. Procrastination is when you don't get something started, when you are frustrating yourself because you know you should be doing something, but you're not getting on with it. Lateness is about finishing. Lateness is about getting on with your next task. The particular difference with the two is that procrastination is is something that affects you. It stops you doing what you want to do. If you look at lateness, and this is one of the fascinating things about it, it doesn't really affect you in as much as it affects everybody else. So we can be a bit blind to our lateness. But I really wanted to fix it. So what did I do? I decided to do my own research because literally, if you look on Google for books about lateness, you mm. won't find 10. And even the ones you find aren't, you know, there's, there's one good book written by a psychologist. She sadly passed away about 15 years ago. And that book is still the only one that is a serious look at lateness. So right. I wanted to, I, so I decided to do, to do my own research. And, mm. um, I've discovered you, a lot. Go ahead. Sorry, go, no, go ahead. Okay. So I've discovered that, I mean, if, if you look at time management books, what they say is you should measure how long everything takes and you should leave home or start earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like telling a, an overweight person to eat less. I know what I should be doing 
my problem is that something is going on in my subconscious brain that is stopping me doing that. So mm -hmm. understanding my attitude to time and other people like me was what I set about. And I discovered that lateness is something you are born with. It is part of our personality type. And you can predict the late people if you know what their personality type is, which is a subject that I've been fascinated with for a long time. Can you tell me about your book that you have done as a result of all your research, which is called Late, A Time Bender's Guide to Why We Are Late and How We Can Change? Well, Leo, it's all in the title because it's not just um, talking about lateness and it's not waving a finger and saying, just get on with it. It's understanding why we are late. And this seems to be the thing that has helped people. I've got some amazing feedback from people who say, this is the first time I've understood what is going on. Um, we have a whole number of subconscious behaviours that make us late. Um, but there are ways of using this information, this knowledge, this understanding to change our behaviour. And please note, I'm saying it's our behaviour that we can change. We can't change our personalities. I cannot wave a magic wand and make myself a person who's always on time. That will never mm. happen. I can mm. say I'm in remission. I can say I'm aware of it and controlling it. But there mm. will, will always be times when I'm in a relaxed frame of mind that I will tend to push those deadlines. And I'm afraid I will be five minutes late. Um, so... As Would you like me? So, yeah, that's right. And in fact, one of the problems we seem to have is that there are people out there who are always early and they are very vocal about lateness. It really goes against the grain for them. It's a fundamental belief that they have to be early. They're ab absolutely obsessed about being early. And so they're very critical of late people. And as a result, late people have had very little chance to have their voices heard. But once you start to recognise that, there's more you can do. So what I've done is I'm trying to reinvent the concept of lateness to give it a bit more, um, bit more of a context. So I call it time-bending. A bit of an empathy, word. perhaps. Yes, yes. Rather than, I mean, you know, there is no excuse for lateness. You can say it's, it's rude, it's inconsiderate, it's selfish. But... We have more than just our lateness. It goes with the whole personality type. I mean, a, a, very, a very nice way of thinking about it is, okay, so we have a different view of time. We tend to, we are able to speed up or slow down, um, but that flexibility makes us more, for example, if somebody says, oh, can you just help me with this? Can you fit this in? If we were one of these people who likes to be on time and early for everything, the answer would be, no, I'm sorry, I haven't got the time. If you talk to a time bender, the answer will be, oh, go on then, I'll just fit it in because we can speed up. So we're oh, more flexible. And I adaptable. used to be the worst with that though. And I think that comes into being a yes person. And I think females are particularly susceptible to this, to people pleasing and I have made a massive effort to say no to so many things and it is really such a, it's just made the world of difference. Protecting your time and putting it towards things that matter 
Um, and I know lateness is such a divided topic. I, I think perhaps that it is misunderstood. It's not something that people plan to do. I think a lot of it comes down to awareness as well. If people knew the impact that it would have on certain situations, they might kind of reframe it in that way. I mean, I watched your TEDx Bedford talk and I could see in the comments that a lot of people resonated. Just as you said before, you've given people a lot of comfort knowing that they're not alone in this behavior. They, you really hit the nail on the head for so many of them. They said it felt like you were inside their head. <laughs> and now you mentioned that you have a Facebook group for time benders, as you call it. How does your group work? Is it more of a supportive community or do you provide people with additional resources? The most important thing about the Facebook group is it's a closed community of people who are time benders. So for many people, it's the only space they have where they know right. they can share their experiences without having the timekeepers at the other end of the spectrum being critical. Um, as well as the Facebook group, I've also recently been asked to take part in a, a BBC Real video, which has had a, a, a huge um, audience. And it's actually called Why Some People Are Always Late. And therefore, it's attracted people who are late, but also people who don't like lateness. And if you read the comments there, you get these late people saying, oh, yes, I understand. And, and, and I want to do something about it. And this is helpful. And other people saying lateness is inexcusable and, you know, right. waving big, big finger at everybody again. Well, mm. you know, people, people who condemn lateness have had an awful lot of, of time to condemn. You know, there's loads and loads of places you'll find condemnation of lateness, but there's so little space where we can actually share our experiences. And that's what my Facebook group is. It's a community of people who understand each other. Right. In terms now, of resources, I mean, in yeah. terms of where you get the resources, there's only one, well, all, all the work I've done in the last five years researching this subject has gone into my book. I wrote right. the book because I wanted to share not only the understanding of the characteristics of lateness, which are widespread, but mm. also what we can do about it. Because although although about 20% of the population are what I'd call time benders, that doesn't mean to say we're always late. Mm. We do That's find quite a lot, ways. It? It, it, is, it is a lot. About 20% of these obsessively early people, and at the other end of the spectrum, there are about 20% who have a problem with punctuality. But mm. we're all striving not to be late, so you won't necessarily spot them. And maybe we can talk a bit about there's different situations when we're late. And that's one of the big pieces that came out of the research was realizing we're not always late. There are certain times we're late and certain times we're not late. And once you understand that, you can start trying to create a situation where you won't be late. Mm. This is really interesting to me. The whole adrenaline rush that people get when they're scrambling. Uh, I have worked in global events and in the film industry. And I'm telling you, time is money. And if you don't get things in the can, as they say in the film industry, or if, you know, events work on a clock, 
it starts at this time and that is extremely stressful. And I look back at what I do and I think I thrive working in those environments. I also read that lateness gives you an adrenaline rush, which can be addictive. I don't actually like the feeling of it, but do we get addicted to that racing around? I mean, it's an interesting question and it's something I do go into. I, I don't think that, you know, okay, we are pressure prompted and not everybody is like us. We actually respond very well to deadlines and people are surprised at this, but we're very good at hitting deadlines. And this is some of the understanding that's come out of the research. If the deadline is real and external and has consequences, we are very good at hitting it. And once you understand that, yes. <laughs> yeah, and therefore in the industries you're talking about where you've worked, the film industry, um, creative agencies, um, journalists, in, it's all in time, jobs with a, yeah, jobs with a deadline, we're ideal at those and we're better than the rest of the population because we are able to speed up when it matters. We respond to deadlines. At the other end of the spectrum, if you take an hour, people do 10% of the work in 10% of the time. We, believe it or not, typically, and this is a bit of an exaggeration, but we do about 80% of the work in the last 20% of the time. So Ugh. give us some hard deadlines. We are exactly oh. the people you need to employ. Right. I prefer to have the time. I mean, it's... I. I do like the idea of, you know, I, I think moving into a more calm state. It, I don't know. It's so fascinating, this whole thing. Being punctual equates in the corporate world uh, to a sign of professionalism, trustworthiness, and reliability. There are, as you said, there are serious consequences for lateness. And I'm curious to learn more about your secret scale of acceptable lateness that you mentioned that you have in your book. You mentioned earlier to me. Can you explain a bit about what that is? Well, I can sum it up in a sentence, which is we can be on time when it matters. Mm. And when it matters is when there are consequences of being late. Um, so an important job interview or the things you've described, um, you know, going to a wedding or your own wedding. <laughs> um, these are times when it matters. And, Brides are and typically late though, aren't they? Brides, aren't they meant to right. be? You're Isn't this right. a traditional thing? That no, you are you're absolutely right. Going, not going, <laughs> I you're forgot about right. that. I forgot about that. <laughs> Going to going to your best friend's wedding, on the other hand, is, is right. when you should not you should no. not be racing racing down the aisle just before the bride. No, not at all. <laughs> so people often joke about I'll be late for my own funeral. There is a great story. Elizabeth Taylor, that famous actress, she was famous for being late, and she actually arranged that her coffin would be delivered 15 minutes after the due time at her funeral. So she literally was late oh for her goodness. own funeral. Oh, my goodness. That's that's a little weird. <laughs> There's a um, lot of humour in lateness, I, am, I have to admit. Right. Well, I have a friend who, and not kidding, set, has an alarm set for every minute starting half an hour before he has to get up. So that means he has... 
30 alarms and I would never have believed it. I would have thought, oh, surely it's just eight or something. But he sent me the screen grab video and it is, it just goes forever and ever. But he said that he manages to snooze through some of them. For me, I think that would be a little alarming, pun intended. (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking because he's gotten used to the pattern, that's why he's kind of fallen through, especially if it's at the same time, all the time, every day. Um, My times change all the time. And for me, in terms of setting alarms, I mean, I think I've probably set six, maybe eight at the most. Um, When I have to be up at around 3.30 a.m. for the month of Ramadan, which is coming up next week, um, the consequences of not getting up during this time is very challenging for me because it means I miss the opportunity to eat something, have some water before the full day of fasting. I don't get to eat till around seven at iftar time. Um, It's really, really challenging. So again, it goes back to it has real consequences. So for me, it's that, that is definitely, um, yeah, I, I literally cannot be late for that. I, ha- I have to be up. Or oh, that's just so painful to think that you're going to go that long without having anything. It's How a great example other- of real consequences for a, oh. a, uh, an action. So you're going to be up. You don't right. need 30 alarms. You don't even need eight. It's for 30 days. So, and, and this will be my fourth year. So it's uh, it's definitely a good challenge for me, but I like to do it as well. And but Leo, how many- there is another end. Sorry. No, I was no, just going to say there is another end to that spectrum about we can be on time when it matters. There is a corollary which says, but that means that when it doesn't matter, we tend not to be on time. And that is the sort of the secret the mm. secret scale, which didn't, I don't, I don't think many late people are aware, I certainly wasn't, of the fact that, yes, we say, you know, we know we are not always on time, but we certainly don't see ourselves as always late. But when are we late? When there are no consequences. And sadly, that means it's for our friends and our family who are not going to fire us or never see us again. They will forgive us for our lateness. And it's a bit of a, a surprise to realize that the same people, all we are always late for the same people. And there's a bit of a phrase. That's I a like terrible, to say, which is, terrible thought. I know it's a terrible thought. But I think thought. there's a lot of truth in it. I do have a very, very dear friend, one of my closest friends. She is always, always, always on time. And oh, she, you know, she's so, she's non judgmental. Um, but, you know, it means even more to me to make sure I'm on time. That doesn't always happen. So As that's why when we say we can be on time when it matters, the truth is the people who matter, matter to us the most are the ones we are late for. And that, mm. is, a sad, that is a sad truth, which mm. I think we, we would prefer not to be aware of. But, you know, it is we have to recognise that there are very negative aspects to this to this compulsive habit that we have, this subconscious, well, personality type that we're born with, you know, we can mm. struggle with it, but it does it's have consequences for people we love. Yeah, it's so, it's absolutely fascinating because I have never looked at it in this way before. 
it, it's really fascinating. How many alarms do you set when you are needing to go somewhere? Is this a thing that you worry and you set a whole bunch of alarms or are you just good with one or two? Well, the irony is that I can get up perfectly early. It isn't, it isn't right, the, right. It isn't how early I am. It's the fact, and here is another thing. It's that just before I leave the house, I fit in one more task. So it's the, it's the, it, in fact, you can actually describe it as a bit of an aversion to closure. So one of the inexplicable preferences we have is we don't like to be early. So if we think, if I'm, if I'm determined to be on time for my gym class and I find I have got three minutes in hand just as I'm leaving the house, I can guarantee my mind will suddenly tell me something absolutely vital that I should be doing. It's, mm. it's a, it's, once you start to be aware of it, this is a great example of how understanding can help us deal with these things. Once we're aware of it, you can see it every time. If, you, if you're going to be early for something, you somehow fit three more things in. That's the thing about doing, as I said, we do, 20, we do 80% of what we do just before a deadline. Deadlines are really helpful to us because they focus us and we work very effectively. And again, more effectively than the rest of the population. When we're facing a deadline, we can really focus. And we know we all like that feeling. We like to feel that we're firing on all cylinders because we are able to do it extremely well. And that's why we are, we choose, we make the career choices we do. It's another example of if you understand the behavior, you can put yourself in the right job. And it could be paramedic. It could be, as I say, journalist, etc. I mean, even a teacher has to be on time for the class, has to finish the class on time. So for the whole working period of their lives, they have that sense of structure, which means that their time bending doesn't get out of hand. The time when people become far more aware of it is if they are not working for a period of time or possibly in lockdown when they were working from home or mm. if they, you know, if they finish their work, you know, they're, they're retired. That can be the most, the, the time when you're much more aware of the of the need for structure and real deadlines in order to get that really satisfying feeling, the adrenaline, the focus, the, you know, we just feel good when we're pressure prompted and we're achieving things like that. You are so eerily precise in everything that you say. It is, it, it's just unbelievable. And I'm, an, I'm a mindset coach. I consider the most important thing for people to have is self-awareness because we do have blind spots. We do run on autopilot throughout the day. We get frustrated with our behavior when we can't understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. Knowing that knowing what it is that we want to do, being aware of it is a really good starting point. Uh, because without the full awareness, it makes it even more challenging to make the changes. I mean, if you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, I found your, I did your quiz that you asked me to do on your website, and I found it very insightful because even for me, I thought I knew, I knew what the answer would be, um, the the one that I would get, and it was different. It told me that I'm later than I think I am. 
So for me personally, I don't like being late. I don't like the feeling of missing something or people waiting for me to show up. So I do tend to do a lot of pre-planning now. Hey everyone, I'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022. People say knowledge is power, but that's not entirely true. If you do nothing with that knowledge, it's worthless. If you implement it, you become unstoppable. Creating your own business takes work, commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up, but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really wanna create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action, in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market, offer, and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined. You'll gain clarity and confidence with every step, not ever having to return to where you were ever again. I work with a limited number of clients at any time, and to really help you, it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit. This is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com. That's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. I used to leave things at the last minute and think, oh, I'll get it done. I'll get it done because I always thought, oh, I'm really efficient and I want to get those tasks like you mentioned. I want to just get all those tasks done really quickly, get them out of the way. But now what I do when I have to go somewhere or do something, I will completely get fully ready, have everything ready to go out the door. Even if it's the night before, I will literally pack a suitcase have every possible thing ready to go so I'm just out the door. You are ahead of me. You are using your self-awareness to the best that you can because if I It took a lot to get to that, though, a huge amount. You've done really well because I'd just like to sort of deconstruct what you've just told me. We put off endings. So one of the things we put off is going to bed. So the time to do something is... Just before we go to bed, it's the perfect time to pack your bag for the morning because in the morning we will be rushing to get out the door. We know we're going to leave that late. If you choose that time, you won't be able to do it well. But just before you go to bed, when you're putting off going to bed, that's when you will have the focus to to 
pack all the right stuff, you know, whether it's a business bag or your overnight bag. So mm-hmm. yeah, you are you are using that knowledge. That's so you that's why you're not aware of always being late, because very often you aren't late because you are understanding your behavior patterns and working with them rather than against them. The the book that I was never gonna write and I do resist is the book that calls itself Never Be Late Again and then just waves a big finger at you and says, well, you need to leave on time because that's just that's just fairy dust. It doesn't work like that. We can't mm. change our personality, but we can work with our personality and work with our strengths because, as I say, it does, it's not all negative. And that's the message that I really would like to get out there, which is, okay, some people are late, but that's part of a package of personality that has some really important benefits as well mm. as perhaps a little lateness. And may I just say, Leo, um, again, one of the reactions we got on the BBC Real video, mm. um, why some people are always late, was people who have ADHD. Mm-hmm. And AD- I don't have ADHD. I wouldn't say you do. Um, people with ADHD um, do tend to be well, to be late, there are there are certain um, situations, for example, they don't allow, they don't like to transition from one task to another. There are some reasons why they are late, but it's very different to the sort of thing that I've been describing, which is in the, in the realm of normal behavior. Um, so people with ADHD say, surely you can see this, this is ADHD. My response is people with ADHD may be time benders. But that doesn't mean to say that people who are time benders have ADHD. There are a lot ah, of right, other, okay. other aspects to that behavior. And I just thought it was worth mentioning because if somebody's listening <clears throat> who has ADHD, they will recognize what we're talking about, but they will mm. also know that there are a number of other characteristics that go with it. Yeah. And I mean, culture plays a huge role in lateness. There are assumptions made about different countries, different cultures. From my experience, whilst living in the Middle East and India, this is definitely something that happens a lot. Also, I come from an events background, as I mentioned. Um, Unless someone has a high interest in a topic or speakers uh, or they've paid a lot of money for an event, more often than not, people just will not show up a lot of the time, even though they've RSVP'd. I do think our lives are so busy these days and there's probably not much thought going into the actual RSVP process. I think people, they must get a little adrenaline hit. And not an adrenaline hit, they must get a little dopamine hit or something like by clicking that button, saying yes. It's got to be something about that. Um, Thinking about, I just don't think they're thinking about the consequences of what their false yes is creating. And it is something that is so incredibly difficult for restaurants and catering companies to plan ahead if you're in that situation. And again, what I've unraveled from all of my own study on myself and to become a mindset coach is again, I think it is awareness plays a huge issue here. And people aren't, we really, really do have so many blind spots and people just don't have awareness like they should. What's your take on If I was going to throw in, yeah, if I was going to throw in, again, a bit of context for that, the answer is 
that you have to make the deadline real. So if you're a restaurant um, frustrated with people not showing up, it's, I mean, it's it's a scary thing to do, but that's why certainly under lock, well, at the end of lockdown, people were asking for money in advance because right, they yes. couldn't afford yeah. to have no shows. So mm. once the deadline is real, if you talk about um, clicking on our RSVP, if it's something that there is no cost for, then you are, if, if you know, if the deadline isn't real, you're doing something else, you just never quite get round to moving on if you are mm. a time bender. Um so, so that's the context for that. I completely understand. But the, the cultural differences are very, very interesting. I mean, you, you said it yourself, Leo, time is money. But mm. that is what I'd call a Western concept. And when I say Western, I'm talking about mm. business. I mean, the whole idea of time is money came from um, the industrial um, side of North, North America, really, to do with um Production Being on the production line, right? And efficiency, exactly, production line. And so if I'd summarise now North America, Northern Europe, South Korea, Japan, and Russia and China, that's where punctuality is necessary for efficiency. In mm. fact, in Japan, your school record for punctuality can affect your chances of getting to university. That's how much it's part of their culture. Mm. But in non-Western cultures... It's very different. And in fact, to focus on time rather than relationships can be a big insult. Having said that, my time bending, I'm looking at unintentional lateness. As you say, we don't want to be late. We end up being late. There is a different aspect of lateness, which is where it's a mark of power. And that tends to be in a business context, but it can be <gasps> oh, in certain yes. cultures. The big guy yes. keeps the little guy waiting. Mm. Though, again, even that, it's a cultural thing because you might be surprised to hear in Germany, the most senior person needs to be the first at the meeting. Oh, it's, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And one I love is in France, you can, you can be late for a business meeting. It's not considered, you know, the worst thing in the world, but you cannot be late for dinner. <laughs> you cannot insult this chef by being late for dinner. So and, there's, there's lots more to be said about why there's a, there's this idea of synchronistic versus sequential time. And mm. in in the West, we say I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. Mm. In the other cultures, you include it all. So somebody arrives, oh, come in, yes, well, you bring everybody together, and it can be very offensive to somebody to say, oh, could you just wait a minute? I'm just dealing with something. That that mm. is, you know, it's culture is a fascinating subject. Yeah, and Lots if you're working in a different country, it's always, you know, I always think it, it it's really respectful to learn a bit of the language in whichever country you're going to live in, uh, but also reading up on their cultures and respecting their cultures. It's, I mean, everything is a lot more mixed up these days and we've got the technology and people moving around a lot more than what they used to. Uh, but I think for service-based businesses, you know, like we mentioned, having a restaurant, having a hairdressing salon, all of these have consequences. I also know that people balk at paying if they haven't shown up, but then, well, what about the person that blocked that time for you to show up? Now they can't make that money and they need to make that money 
to live. So there's a lot of assumptions. And again, the awareness, I, I love awareness. It's, it's actually my theme word for the year. <laughs> so, so it really is drilled into my head. Um, I think the use of technology is great to help people. Appointment reminders, email reminders, obviously alarms. And for me, I always find it really helpful to get reminders, texts, text messages or emails. I especially like the ones that say, we're starting in an hour, uh, the emails. And all of that can be automated. So in this day and age, I think for service-based businesses, that's essential also to have their terms and conditions front and centre so people are fully aware of it. There's some fascinating um, ideas about how technology can be used. And one of them is in this Mm. context of, um, as I said, we we function very well near a deadline, but if we want to get ourselves focused earlier on, there are productivity apps which get rid of the distractions Mm. that's so tempting for us. And the one I love most of all is called Write or Die. So that's for these poor old writers who have to sit at a desk all day long, you know, without a real deadline, just getting on with the job. Um, And it has a setting from gentle to kamikaze. And (laughs) on kamikaze, if you stop writing for a period of time, the screen begins to change colour and then it deletes your words (gasps) one by one. Oh, that would just be horrible. So if you want a real deadline with consequences, that's your real deadline. So, yes, it's amazing. But guess what the secret to that is? It's using Google Google Sheets (laughs) because it updates it automatically. (laughs) Um, there's also another great productivity app talking about that. I think it's called Forest. And you have a period of time and you have to plant a tree or something. And if you don't get your task done in the time, the tree dies or something like that. But yeah, there's a lot of really, really good um, apps and things that people need. Obviously, there is a need for this. Do you see lateness as something that gets compared to laziness. What are your thoughts on that? I completely disagree because if you want something done, ask a busy person. And the busy people are the time vendors because they are the ones that are speeding up near the deadlines and are able to squeeze more things in. Um, it's, It's the time vendors who don't like to wait around. I do have this strange, I don't understand why, So many people will say, oh, yes, late people cost the economy X billions of dollars or whatever. Um, But for me, the people who are early are the ones costing the economy because they are actually waiting 10 minutes before a meeting. A late person, I can guarantee, is not hanging around. They are are finishing off a previous task. So if you're in a meeting, they'll be in their office just (laughs) finishing off some really useful work before they get to the meeting so I don't equate it with lazy in any way other than the first two letters of the word (laughs) Mm. let's hope let's hope they're not sitting there on Facebook or something (laughs) which is by the way addictive technology our phones it's been uh it was in the social network the the Netflix documentary how addictive it is and I think that has a massive impact on our time the same with Netflix when they have really amazing series oh I'll just I'll just watch one more I'll watch one more and then you end up binge watching and you know the word binge it's just so readily 
put out there. And that's what we're doing, which is keeping people up really late. So, yeah. And to put that in context, it's about the structure. So if we have no structure, then we are very good at doing nothing, if you like, because we haven't got that focus, the adrenaline you talked about, the addictive Mm. adrenaline that makes you feel really alive Mm. and, and helps you to work really efficiently. So yes, let's put our hands up. If there is no, if there is not, if, you know, if, if there's no reason for getting up in the morning, you might not even get up. Or if you do get up, you could spend endless time on Facebook. But I have a, I have a, my book is full of ways to do, to handle these things, to make them useful. And, one right. of my things is always have a messy desk or in fact it goes with the territory we do always have a messy desk but there's a real benefit to that because if we're going to be distracted try and make it that the thing that distracts you is something that you wouldn't normally want you know it make it a useful thing because even though writing an invoice or filling in a timesheet might normally be extremely tedious if it's a distraction from something you should be doing you'll be amazed at how it suddenly looks interesting so there's I another tip. I could not have I could not have a messy desk. It totally drives me crazy. And then it comes down to you know then we go into the uh, Marie Kondo area and um you know the the tidiness because any pile of stuff that we have sitting around is actually taking up our energy and I really try and it's a part of me having structure for myself basically it was like I need to have a very clear desk so all I have is the task that is right in front of me um how do you think people how I mean how can people take responsibility for being late I guess that's a bit of a weird one isn't it in the sense of becoming aware that they are late? Yes, because I think I think it comes down to clear communication and owning it when you're late. And I actually had this recently where somebody said, I'll meet you at 12, and I had it in writing from them. Thank goodness. I turned up at 12. And I called them and I said, I'm here. And I was so worried to be even five minutes late. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, I said 12.30. And I quickly looked through the message and I said, no, you didn't. I have it here for 12. And and he said, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But he was half an hour late and that was his thing. And when we sat down and we were talking in this meeting, I sat there and I couldn't believe he didn't acknowledge it. But once we got going, maybe it was about 10, 15 minutes into the conversation, he said, I really apologize for being late. And I mean, if you're going to be late, come on, half an hour is a lot. And I think you also hit the nail on the head. It's a hierarchical thing, a cultural thing. It's a an assumption that some people can turn up whenever they like, regardless, Um, a power play thing as well. And I think the great thing that happened is when we had our conversation, all of that kind of dropped away and we were able to just have the conversation for what it was. There's so many things at play when you think about it. It's, It's definitely a lot. 
And we're very seldom in that situation where we are waiting half an hour for the other person. And then we realize if you go to any regular event, you will see the people who arrive 20 minutes early and the people who get there just on time or a little bit late. And we know which end we fall into. But those other people have literally been waiting there and their choice to be there early. So they are so aware of the time and they take it. You know, it's it's not pleasant to feel that somebody else is disregarding your time. It's just that we don't think that way. What we're thinking about is, oh, I've cut it a bit fine. Let's hope the lights are on green. Let's hope I can find a good parking space. Oh, and you're I'm actually trying to be productive. And we're not we're not thinking about <laughs> waiting for us. So when we occasionally are in their shoes, it's a very humbling experience to acknowledge mm. that that is what they're doing all the time. So what do you think is the best way for someone to respond to someone who is always late where they actually really want to help the person and improve the situation? Because you said if people are really blunt and really like cutting and calling them out, that's going to have a negative response. Um, okay. I, I have a very clear understanding for me about what helps, and that is make the deadline real. So ironically, and I hate to say this, but actually you do need, in that situation, if you are kind and you don't make me feel I've been late, and if there haven't been consequences, I mean, let's face it, if you're going to meet some friends and it doesn't matter, then five minutes, 10 minutes late doesn't matter. But if, if you know, if your mother's got the meal ready and the family are all sitting around and you're late, then it does matter. So although people who love us will tend not to make a deal of it, what they should do is not wait for us. Because mm, if, if, I, if I go to a regular gym class and it hasn't started at the time at the agreed time, then I just think, oh, that's fine. And then next time I will perhaps be a minute or so later because I don't like being early. So I'm always going for the real deadline. If that gym class started on time, then I will keep, you know, I will stick to that time. If I don't think it's a real time, then I will be later. So people who are trying to get us to be on time are not doing us any favors by fudging the deadline or by berating. You know, <laughs> the, the well, the, yeah, the classic thing is um, they will tell us to get there earlier. So you know, you're going out with to an important event with people who know you well, and they and they lie about the time. It works the first time, but if they do but it regularly, you mm. you'll factor it in, and it'll mm. make you later. So keep the deadline real is the absolute one soundbite I would give anybody to try who is trying to get the people in their lives to be on time. Mm. It is such a fascinating topic and you, uh, you know, you brought to light a very interesting factor that, you know, 20% of approximately 20% of people have this and it is incredibly comforting for these people to understand. And I think the awareness uh, you know, putting yourself thinking in their shoes. I think it, it's a whole lot of things. I think what it really comes down to, people need to read your book. That's it. <laughs> That's going to help them. 
Grace, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today and for all of the information and your incredible insights. How can people find you? Um, They can find me. Well, if you search Grace Pacey, Mm P-A-C-I-E, that is the quickest way to find me or the word time bending. If you want to search, that should lead you. You should find my TED Talk. Mm-hmm. You should find my book, which is available on Amazon, but also on other on other sites. It's available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form. Um, they can find me on Facebook, um, Grace G. Pacey, or they can find me at my um, my Facebook group, which is called Not Late But Time Bending. So it's all <laughs> in the title. And you can also Fantastic. find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm out there. I do reach out and do, you know, do try and join the community if you recognize what we're saying, because mm. we need to pool our experiences and our understanding and, you know, create a little bit of space for the fact that, okay, we have some disadvantages in other people's eyes. But we have some strengths as well. And let's speak up for our strengths too. And it's quite interesting that, uh, you know, I guess having empathy on both sides can work because I don't, it's yes. not intentional. Yes. Understanding the, the impact we have on other people's lives is also very much part of that package. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Leo. It's been great. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leonie Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.